You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. Oh my god, Joe, I'm so tired right now. Ew, gross, you smell like gold bath water. Well, it's like Travis. Oh, so bath water would be better. Yeah, with no flesh-eating bacteria in bath water, generally yeah. speaking. Well, and you got those manatee tracks on your back, so like <laughs> you gotta get out of the way of the boats. <laughs> the manatee tracks. <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, you know, there were a couple times it was a little shaky. It was July 4th weekend, so. Yeah, well, I mean, it, at least you have uh, lots of loud noises to look forward to and relive your old glory days as how, a, how so what, what, with fireworks yeah. they shoot them off and they're really loud oh yeah i guess that happened at some point i may no longer have been conscious or well, at least probably. capable of holding memories <laughs> if they're not awesome memories what's the point of having them anyway that's true that's true it, it, it wasn't my fault though oh was it the alcohol's fault it was beer oh delicious beer And we've got a stack of titles for you here this week. But first, let me just encourage you guys, and thank you if you have already, but encourage you if you haven't to become a subscriber to oneofus.net. I can't tell you how much that helps. That is the number one thing that keeps the site going, is you guys becoming a subscriber. Any level, one of the four levels, lots of bonus material. I just actually put in on the Jedi level. Today, I kind of hid in the Jedi form. Uh A little uh, thing we recorded after we were really drunk at the party last night. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we're like wasted, just rambling, being idiots. I'm like, this will be fun. Oh, so in other words, it's one of our Saturday nights just caught on tape. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was like only for the most hardcore (laughs) of fans to listen to. Uh, But yeah, there's lots of other less chaotic podcasts on there if you listen to, including the weekly Breakfast Pub with all the news and uh, about movie and trailers and movies and TV, uh, exclusive commentaries for films, all sorts of good stuff. So, and... Also, secondary importance, you'll see all the links on this page to the movies and TV shows that we talk about. Click on those links, go to the Amazon page, buy the product, we get a kickback. Or don't buy the product, just start from our links and buy anything on Amazon and we get a kickback from that. Yeah, just don't hit refresh. Whatever yeah, you do, don't yeah. hit refresh. Is that what? Don't clear cash and cookies. Yeah, don't do that. No. For sure. Because then, then it does us no Then you know who gets that money? Amazon. Yeah. Stinking Amazon. Who wants that? <laughs> anyway, with no further ado... Let's move on to the reviews. We're going to start off with, uh, man, we had a couple really great films this week. We did. It was a good haul. And uh, one of the ones that, it, you know, it's kind of a three-way tie for me this week for for uh, uh, pick of the week. So yeah. at the end of the show, I'm going to let you select which one. No, it's already this one. What? It's 10 Cloverfield Lane? <laughs> yeah, okay. Fair enough. Uh, this is... Not a movie I expected to be anywhere near as good as it actually No, is. it shouldn't have been. Yeah, I mean, for a sort of sequel to Cloverfield, <laughs> it's like, well, it's not a sequel. Why does it have Cloverfield in the title? Well, it's in the same universe. In what sense do you mean that? Well, you're going to have to watch it for yourself to find well, out. Well, technically, it's in Louisiana. <laughs> Um, it definitely increased my taste for wanting to know more about said Cloverfield universe. No, it just made me want to know more about John Goodman. About John well, What is it that you don't feel like you don't know about John Goodman? Like, what's like he doing right now? What's he thinking about? Is he thinking of me? 
Did you know they did a thing? I just read this on Roseanne, mm-hmm. how they ended that show. They made it where, like, the last two seasons or so didn't happen. Yeah, because... That, that, like, apparently he had, like, had a heart attack two seasons Yeah, so that. she she imagined that, one, they struck it rich, and two, that he cheated on her. Okay. Yeah, and then it turns out, no, she was just, like, really depressed and alone because he had died. <laughs> That's fucked up. That's I, I have kind of hats off. I mean, it's 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 no Bobby Ewing stepping out of the shower. No, it is not. Uh, but here we follow Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who at the very beginning of the films uh, is le- leaving her fiance, uh, come, going from New Orleans, driving through rural Louisiana, and uh, she's listening to the radio, hearing about how there are blackouts in all these cities, and it seems a little chaotic. But she gets into an accident uh, and wakes up in this concrete room, chained to a wall, and greeted by John Goodman, who's kind of a scary survivalist type. Uh, he's uh, He seems quite simple. Yeah, he's not the smartest. It's not even that he's dumb. He's just... Ser- you can tell right from the beginning something's wrong with him. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's a little fried. Yeah. Who's uh, like, I swear, I've just put you in here for your own protection. Um, America has been attacked. It's You can't even breathe outside right now. It could be the Ruskies. It could be the Ruskies. Of course it could. Well, probably not. Now. No. Probably no. not now. Uh, yeah, it could be the, the, the Chinese, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Although at this point that would destroy their economy. So <laughs> I got you both. <laughs> uh, and of course she doesn't believe him, but, uh, eventually he actually just lets her out. It's like, okay, here's the rest of the bunker where there's another dude in there as well. Uh, uh John Gallagher Jr. As, as Emmett, who's like, well, the, he saved me, you know, <laughs> like I was going to die along with everybody else out there. He saved me in here. So yeah, he's right. There's like, it's deadly to go out there. And she's still like, okay, something is very <laughs> wrong with this whole scenario. I still distrust everything. Now, the, the odd thing is I wonder how much better this film would have ser- served as a surprise if it didn't a have Cloverfield mm-hmm. in the title, mm-hmm. you know, if it didn't have that, no, because- I had the exact thought in mind of like, that would have been an, Awesome Easter egg for everybody. Well, not Easter egg, yeah, but an awesome just reveal. Did not see that coming at the for, you know the final act. We were like, whoa! I mean, as it is, you because it's a Cloverfield film, you're like, okay, well, we kind of get an idea of what's going on. Yeah, we know that she's she's an idiot for not just accepting that something really bad happened out there. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, the last thing I would expect to believe is you know the giant monsters are coming and attacking it. They should have called it Ramona Flowers hair. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> they should have called it. Uh, I do like, though, that regardless of the fact that we're sure that something has gone down, you're never quite sure the degree to which to believe John Goodman's take on it. Or, or like, what kind of person is he? Yeah, yeah, like, what is his ultimate goal in this scenario? Uh, and there's hints that... Perhaps there was someone else in here once who did not make it out alive. In the long, long ago. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's like, even if there is shit going on outside, it's possible that John Goodman's character is yeah, uh, you were still a psycho. Yeah, you were saved by an awful person. <laughs> but then again, maybe not. That's the fun thing about this film. It takes you back and forth about trying to decide. Mm. I felt even at the end, we didn't really know for sure. Nope. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, about his motivations. Uh, really enjoyed this movie. Yeah. So l- tense. Very rarely do you get to see movies uh, that take place 40 miles outside of Lake Charles, Louisiana. <laughs> yeah, there's probably a good reason for that. <laughs> uh, but uh, this comes with audio commentary from the director, uh, Dan Trachtenberg, who I'm sure will be... Exp- 
we can very much expect to see attached to much bigger projects now because this did very well. So is he the male version of Michelle Trachtenberg? No, he's oh. not. As far as I know, there's no relation. So he was never a spy. No, nor was he uh, Buffy Summer's little sister. Okay. Yeah. All right, just, I got to clear things up, fellas, because I'm kind of dim, okay? <laughs> uh, but conversation with him and producer J.J. Abrams, uh, there is a, a cast and crew thing talking about the relation to the first film, Cloverfield, which, of course, you want to know. There's a lot of, like, how did they build it type uh, featurettes on here. And then, of course, another piece about, like, all right, so totally original movie, that's yet still attached to the, another film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I kind of wish more films would take this tact of like, it's not really a sequel. It's just, it's kind of a side story in yeah. the same world. I, I'd love to see more stuff. Like well, that. I mean, that's one of the really interesting things that I liked about it is that in this like amazingly fantastic sequence of events, what, what about the, in the microcosm surrounding it? Yeah. So, Yeah. It's, uh, people are gonna. Some might be a little prepared, uh, and then wacky hijinks them too. They they definitely do. Uh, I I just hope if they do another film, it's not Twenty Cloverfield Lane. You're like we're making a sequel to the spinoff that sequel sort of. It's like no, dude. Some I've actually there's there's word that that he's got like a like a space movie. That he's that should be coming out like next year, and they're keeping very tightly. On oh, the like so maybe like Cloverfield so the from ru- the other side. Well, the rumor is that it's another film in the Cloverfield universe. No, 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 no. no. The next one's going to be uh, Cloverfield Nights: Trouble in Jamaica. <laughs> Weekend at Cloverfield. Exactly. <laughs> uh, next up is a, another one of the films that was in competition for my favorite of this week: Midnight Special. Another uh, sci-fi-ish. Film. You know, you can say sci-fi, you can say supernatural. I guess it depends on how you look at it. Mm. Well, yeah, yeah, I, I go, I guess, more with the, the like, my lord and savior. No, 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 no. Oh, like <laughs> Who's your know. lord and savior? That little kid. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. He's your lord and savior now? You gotta pick one, apparently. I guess so. Why not this little kid with the big blue eyes? <laughs> yeah. Big glowy blue eyes. This is from Jeff Nichols, who did... The absolutely sublime films Take Shelter in Mud, wonderful little indie films that mm-hmm. if you saw mm-hmm. them, you were like, wow, where the fuck did that come from? <laughs> uh, take um, Mud being kind of the begin one of the beginning films of the, the uh, reconnaissance. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, this film here is very different for him, who this director who normally was doing very human, small little crime stories. Mm-hmm. And this is a... If anything, is sort of spiritually akin to Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's it's uh, trying to explain away something with stupid human logic, and then finding out there's there's more to it than that. Well, I love that. Like you got Michael Shannon. First off, you just love that Michael Shannon is the lead in your movie. Oh, such a weird face. Yeah, but he's awesome. <laughs> uh, who's like fleeing a crazy Christian religious cult in Texas with his eight-year-old son, Alton, who apparently has these crazy powers that nobody can quite nail down what they are. No. Exactly, Mm -mm. except that apparently if you make direct eye contact with them for too long, there's this sort of like Pink Floyd laser light show comes on between the two of y'all. You poop your pants. You poop a rainbow. Pretty much. And you see all sorts of (laughs) visual... You see all sorts of cool stuff and, and become convinced that this kid is important. (laughs) <laughs> somehow. And that's the thing about this film. A lot of it is very much a mystery along the way. Mm-hmm. Even where it dumps you in is really like events have already begun. You're just being thrown into the middle of it as he's on the run from the FBI. He's on the run from the cult members because, you know, 
that the FBI, you know, want him for criminal acts. The cult wants the kid back because they believe he's their chosen one. The kid is like, there is a place we have to get to by a certain time, and I'm not even sure why, but I know we I need gotta to get do there. it. And so it's this cross country road trip. As they it's go like along. Cannonball Run. <laughs> you know, this could have used a little more Jamie Farr. It's Tom DeLuise. <laughs> uh, Joel Edgerton plays like a, a childhood friend of Michael Shannon who was a cop and basically drops everything to help him because he's like I we've been friends for so long I just believe you so I was super happy to see him not play somebody creepy yeah <laughs> I, and in fact both of them who often play creepy guys yeah. are playing good guys mm-hmm. here whereas Adam Driver on the other hand well actually is also not playing no, a creepy guy he's, not. he's nope. like the head of the FBI investigating uh, trying to, to chase them but he's a good guy. Yeah. He's not like a not like a generic FBI baddie. Well, he's he's your favorite NSA analyst on loan to the FBI. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, but what makes for a really visually beautiful film that I feel like does right what Tomorrowland did wrong. Mm, I unfortunately missed Tomorrowland. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> Tomorrowland had a, had a good first two acts and a lousy third act. This one is great all the way through, and I felt like really sold me. In a in a sort of like raise the hairs on the back of your neck sort of way on the stuff that Tomorrowland was trying to do as well that didn't really work. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, f- I felt it was uh, compelling, and you actually wanted to like see that the kid was safe and stuff like that, as opposed to just like fuck it, I don't care, whatever. Yeah, no, I mean, and that's uh, part of why it works is because it really sells you on like the fact there's so many aspects of what's happening that are kind of a mystery to you a lot mm-hmm. of the character motivations you're not really sure in the film by piecemeal here and there drops little bits more of information Dude, about them. little nibbles yeah so you can learn more who are these people what do they want so my alternative title for this is everybody has the hair of an asshole what? Because <laughs> everybody has bad hair? Yeah, everybody has real shitty hair, which makes it more realistic. It is rural Texas. <laughs> uh, there's a uh, five-minute piece in here called Origins, where the director talks about where all his inspiration and the sources and central themes of this film come from, and then comments from the principal cast. There is a 12-and-a-half-minute piece that's character-specific, where it looks at each cast member and talking about their character, and then just trailers. Not a lot of extra here. This thing didn't get... The marketing, I felt like it deserved. Because mm-hmm. I really feel like this... this I didn't know about it until... Yeah. I was like, this is okay. the type of film, if this had come out in the 80s, it would have been like, wow, okay, we're really proud of this and we're going to do a mass push. And now yeah. it's like, nobody knows or cares about the people involved with this. So we'll just, <laughs> Somebody will watch it. Yeah, you're like, it's not attached to a brand. <laughs> if they called it Minecraft, they would have done fine. Ooh, yeah. Minecraft. Yeah, but it has nothing to do with Minecraft. Oh. Sorry. Maybe well, then the sequel will be Midnight Special Minecraft. The, the Tetris trilogy that's been in development. Uh, next up, yeah, I know. Can you believe that? It's a trilogy of Tetris films. Because it needs three. Fuck. Uh, next up is a, talk about your indie sci-fi films, a very indie sci-fi mm-hmm, film that mm-hmm. actually caught my attention quite a bit. I, I, I got to admit, I enjoyed this a lot more than I, I didn't. I thought the very, very, very end of this film called Circle was a little like, what just happened? <laughs> uh, but... Uh, Talk if you like your dark sci-fi, uh, and that's a very much a bottle film type of thing. You don't get much more bottle film than this with uh, fifty people who find themselves at, wake up in this darkened room, all standing on these like red circles. Mm-hmm. They discover mm-hmm. right off the bat if you move off the circle, this electrical spark comes out from a, a ball in the middle of the room and kills them instantly. If Done. they touch someone else, electrical spark comes out and kills them instantly. But even worse, every two minutes. 
an electrical spark comes out and kills one of them. I just figured this was the natural progression of reality TV. I would totally watch that show. <laughs> Especially if we got to pick who was in the circle. In the <laughs> Who's going to die? No, seriously, that's the name of it. Who's going to die? Who's going to die? They probably have that in China. Ooh, I hope so. Let's go. Let's yeah. watch it. Or Korea. Uh, so what it turns out, they figure out that by motion moving their hands, they and only they, each person can see a red arrow going around the circle that points at another person. And basically they figure out it's a voting system so that they, everybody, whoever picks the most... You know, the most amount of people will pick somebody there, the next person to die, which, of course, leads to an interesting conversational dynamic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's definitely game theory of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, it totally is. And I thought overall I really enjoyed watching this play out. I mean, it's so cynical about human nature, first off. I mean, like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, is it? But for a while, you're like, oh, these guys are actually, like, they, they still have that core of a heart. They're like, they still believe that there are people out there who will do the right thing no matter what. Nope. <laughs> Mama's got to take care of her own. <laughs> yeah, this is all about survival. I thought it was interesting. I recognized no one of these 50 actors in here except yeah. Julie Benz. Which was she? She like uh, she's the one who she played Drusilla on Angel and Buffy. Oh, okay. Or not Drusilla. I'm sorry. She Wait. played uh, the one. Uh, she's one of the main vampires on Angel who started from Buffy. Okay. Uh, she was like hooked up with Angel for a while. Yeah, because I, I was going to say Drusilla was what's her face Landau. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, Julie Benn. She's been in a, a ton of television shows and stuff like that. One of those, like, if you watch a lot of genre TV, you're like, oh. But she, you don't even notice her until, like, 30 minutes into the film. They're like, oh, by the way, Julie Benz has been here the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she was Darla. That's who she Darla, was. that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I actually really did enjoy this. It's not something I could see coming back to again, but I... I definitely won't. No? Did <laughs> I, I didn't hate it. I was just like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> it was weird it left a non-impression on me. I mean, it's obviously so low budget. Mm. I, I feel it's almost a proof of concept for writing. Look, I can do tense stuff. And it is tense, but like most films like this, you're kind of like, okay, I saw it, experienced it. I would watch whatever this director or writer does next, but I, I can't see myself yeah, coming back. But we're done. Second. Thank you. <laughs> we're done. And that brings us full circle. See what I did there? Mm. Uh, one of the ones I got to see you did not get to see was Electro Woman and Dinah Girl. Oh, watch it well, i can loan it to you if you okay want to watch it. i mean it's not this isn't i mean it's not good no it's, but that's not the point it's not that bad either though mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which surprised me i mean it's not good <laughs> but it's not it's not it's not bad. as terrible as i pictured it being this is for some reason when the sid and marty croft uh brand of tv shows <laughs> went up in the air put out their bid um this Somehow, as these people are the people who got a hold of it, legendary digital studios who have just attached like various YouTube personalities to play the parts of this film. Um, like, Electro Woman and Dinah Girl was like one of the many little shows on the Croft Superstars Hour mm -hmm. uh, way back when, when I was a kid, along with Sigmund the Sea Monster and shit like that. Yeah. Uh, a, little, a little before my time. Space Nuts. I want to see Space Nuts, the movie. Well, doesn't Legendary own like the Nerdist and stuff? I, they maybe they do, but I mean I'm not really surprised. It's Grace Helbig and Hannah Hart playing Electro Woman and Dinah Girl, who both are have big YouTube followings, mm -hmm. um, and they play two amateur superheroes in Ohio, <laughs> who are like they don't really have any superpowers. They kind of gadgets 
mm-hmm. you know, that they use. Batman tech. But they get discovered, and they move to L.A., and are, you know, get an agent, and they're given, like, much higher, better tech to be even cooler, <laughs> and they start getting branded, and it's it's a very cynical film about L.A., first mm-hmm. off, and about how branding works and all that stuff, which is the more interesting level of it, because uh, most of the superhero stuff is just... Yeah, okay, whatever, guys. <laughs> you know? Um, but it's, you know, about how, like, once they get there, Electra Woman, you know, the taller one, Grace, is mm-hmm. kind of, like, starts hogging all the spotlight, and everyone's like, oh, you're the important one. She's just the sidekick. It's a Garfunkel and Oates story. It's their friendship falling apart because oh, of stardom. Oh, man. And, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, it's it's one of those, like, if you like these stars, they're quite personable in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if you're a big follower of them, of course, you've probably already seen it by now, to be fair, if you are. If you watch the original Electro Woman and Dyna Girl, this has next to nothing to do with it. Uh, other than there are two female superheroes called Electro Woman and Dyna Girl. But we got catchy names. Uh, but not like that's a big thing. Nobody's like, I stand by the sanctity of the original Electro Woman not and Dyna Girl. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's pretty forgettable. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no one's going to yell at you if you don't see it. That's all I'm saying. Next up is The Midnight After... The midnight after. Boy, are the Chinese weird. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, directed by Fruit Chan, who, if you ever watch his stuff, he tends to make really weird little films. Um, and this is no exception. It's his take on a sort of uh, apocalypse story, kind of. Sort of. Sort of. Uh, like, the one thing that jumped out that I really liked is I love seeing uh, people placed in a uninhabited human landscape. I, I tend to like that, too. I, and, like, especially when there's just no explanation. Yeah. There, there's an old Australian movie called The Quiet Earth, where this guy is just, like, wakes up one day and absolutely everyone is gone. Mm-hmm. There's no bodies. They're just gone. And he wanders around and eventually finds, like, I think, like, six other people who are all like, what the fuck? Where is everybody? <laughs> I love that kind assholes. of setup where you're just like, there are no bodies. They're gone. And this is kind of like that, where they're like, wow, there are no bodies. They're just gone except every once in a while one of these survivors who was on this bus mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh suddenly just kind of explodes <laughs> doodles or crumbles or crumbles or whatever you know or there's and there's also like they some of them start seeing visions of this guy in a full gas mask and suit wandering around mm-hmm. and i felt like when this is about the halfway point of this film, I'm really into it. I'm like, okay, this is interesting. They're building all these pieces of the mystery. You know, you're like starting to get a feel for what you think happened. And then somebody dropped a bunch of acid and just said, <laughs> fuck it. Cause like the whole last half of this movie makes no sense at all. I mean, to, from the, the guy randomly singing, uh, um, a David Bowie song to a rapt audience of his fellow survivors with full musical accompaniment. Who, at first, I wasn't sure if, if it was like, is this a transgender thing, or is this just a really weird-looking person? Very unclear what was happening there. Yeah. Um, to, like, by the end, where the movie's just like, oh, you know how this whole thing, we set it up as a mystery? We're not going to tell you a fucking thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it gave you the deuces. It totally did. As the edge of the end, fing- gave you the finger is what it did. Well, yeah, the deuces, yeah, two fingers, the, yeah, yeah. I just was, like, so pissed off at the end, because this is not a short film. No, no. <laughs> you know, it's 124 minutes, and so I'm like, you're going to make me sit through all that? And then give me nothing. Plus Blondie, I, I just wanted to smack his face. Blondie? Yeah. Which one was Blondie? Uh, the guy with the long blonde hair. Oh, yeah. 
there's a lot of irritating characters in the series. And that's 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 part of the thing is there's so many characters. It's like I'm not going to bother learning anybody's names. I started wondering after a while if this they weren't all had gone to hell or something because they're all mm-hmm. such sons of bitches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all bags of shit. Yeah, exactly. It's like uh, okay, but that that being said, there's some decent performances in here, mm-hmm. and they're all playing rather extreme characters. You never have any trouble, despite the rather large cast of following who's who and who's doing what. And awesomely gross facial hair. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Yeah, uh, I, it's funny. Richard saw this and loved it, and I was just like, I, "You're out of your goddamn mind!" <laughs> I like oh, once again, we disagree. I keep, thought this was pretty bad. Keep loving it, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> you be you. <laughs> Uh, next up is London Has Fallen, which I'm sure even Richard wouldn't defend. What? It was so great. I mean... Oh, I want to hear this. Well, because they took a formula... Yeah. ...and they said, we are not deviating from this formula whatsoever. This is true. Uh, and, and Gerard Butler is American. Oh, boy, that's so good. Yeah. That this is the bestest ever. We're talking about London Has Fallen in love with Gerard Butler. <laughs> oh, uh, it's Gerard Butler returning from the... What was the last one? Olympus Has Fallen. Yeah. Uh, where he's the Secret Service agent and best friend of, pre- of the They're president. They're so buddy-buddy. Yeah, it's totally... This is totally a bro-love movie. No yeah, they, I'm pretty sure they slapped dicks. Like, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, Aaron Eckhart being the president. Um, and uh, they have to... They're in London, and there's an attack on London where all the leaders of the free world are. And they Panic all die. in the streets of London? Yeah, exactly. But what about Panic in the Streets of Birmingham? I don't even know. What I, I wonder about. to myself. <laughs> are you making references to music that I don't yeah, know? Yeah, Okay, fair enough. Someone will get it, and they'll be like, God, Chris, you're so stupid. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh... So, with all the other rest of the heads of state dead and them demanding, like, bring us the president or we'll do something else atrocious. I don't even remember what was it. What was it? Yeah, it was really vague. It was like, we're going to kill the, the people. Yeah, we're, like, <laughs> we're going to blow up something else. Weren't you going to do that anyway? Shut up. <laughs> uh, on the run through the streets of London and uh, killed, blowing up lots of national landmarks and it's that type of movie and the CG's really bad yeah and the acting's really bad and the action's really bad <laughs> the action is really bad there's a few moments here and there we're like oh that was cool but overall, not so much. Yeah, I think the best part of this movie is when Butler's doing his American accent and he gets that, like, rocky uh, lip bow on the side. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's about it, because this thing is a fucking stinker. And how many times does Morgan Freeman have to be the acting president of the United States coming from a bunker in a apocalyptic well, situation and calling in, the shots? In the first <laughs> shot of him... It's kind of like like uh, Bruce Almighty, like he has this like oh, benevolent god like aura to him, and they didn't try to do that. It just yeah. kind of happens. It's, it's Morgan Freeman. You actually yeah. have to CG that aura out <laughs> if you don't want it. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it, it even has the cloying. Uh, his wife is pregnant, and he's got to live for his unborn baby. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, there's so many good actors in this. You're like, why well, this should be better? But I guess they just all were offered a lot of money. Cause Dude, sad card. The Robert Forster, Melissa Leo, uh, Jackie Earl Haley. I mean, this is a good cast. Just like, what the fuck is this shit that nobody cared about that they just kind of pooped out? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's like, like the laziest kind of sequel. Anyway, uh, now for the third movie that was up for my possibly best of the week here. Oh, yeah, I, I, it, I do... It, 
is not London is falling. No, no, no it's it's London one. has risen, no, which I, is the porno sequel. <laughs> it's Green Room, which goddamn I've been encouraging people to go see, and people are like, oh yeah, maybe I will. You're like, and then the like one out of thirty people I encourage you actually saw it. We're like, holy shit, dude, that was intense and amazing. Well, I mean, this this starred. Uh, Unfortunately, well, not unfortunately. One one of my favorite modern actors who is unfortunately Anton Yelchin. Yeah, past, I didn't know you so. felt that strongly. No, I fucking love him because okay. like he's so versatile. And that part of what I liked was seeing him in this very not because you know he does a lot of precious indie movie sort of like thinker type stuff. Sure. And this is just like straight up like oh shit, oh yeah. shit. This is straight tension, almost horror. Yeah. You know, with uh, he and a group of uh, well, Alia Shawcat and some other young punks or touring punk band that find themselves in a scenario where they're playing in like I think it's West Virginia uh, I couldn't guess where it, it was yeah yeah not entirely I feel like they said at one point there is that no I'm sorry it's in the Pacific Northwest oh that explains uh, the somewhere so um yeah, so they get to this club in the middle of nowhere. It turns out it's a neo-Nazi skinhead bar, and they're like, what the fuck? Oh, come on, guys. Uh, and so they get up there and lead with Nazi punks fuck off by the dead <laughs> Kennedys, which is awesome. You can't get more punk than that. No. You're like, this is probably going to get us killed, but we, you know, hey, ethically, man. we got to stand <laughs> yeah. for it. Uh, and they were like, all right, so they actually finished the show, and they're they're gonna leave and get out of there quick when one of them's like a oh, shit I forgot my phone in the green room uh, so they go back to get it and unfortunately they walk in there to find uh, two of the club regulars who have killed a woman like put a knife into her head and basically they jump these people like shit fuck what are we gonna do <laughs> and then lock the door and realize they're in a situation that the Nazis who own this club are decidedly going to take the side <laughs> of these regulars who just murdered this woman yeah. and probably get rid- kill them and get rid of their bodies to make it even worse the head boss shows up and it's strangely Patrick Stewart yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like what Patrick Stewart? You're a neo-Nazi punk club owner. He's a punk club owner. He's not for it, but he will facilitate it. It's not. It's like, it's you know, it was almost refreshing because you're like, that is not typecasting. No, 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 no. <laughs> in the slightest. Uh, Imogen uh, Potts Poots is in here as well as uh, like w- the friend of the girl who got killed, who sort of. Upset. She's, she's upset. upset. But man, just talk about a tight, taut, like hour and a half of entertainment. Oh yeah, you could you could bounce quarters off of their abs. Oh yeah, <laughs> and another great film this year. A twenty four is just crushing it as mm-hmm. a production distribution company. I'm almost at like anything they put out. I'm like, well, it's got that much better of a chance of being good because A twenty four's got people. They got good eyes for stuff. Um, yeah, for, for a, a tight, like a five million dollar budget. Man, this is one of the most exciting films of the year. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think A twenty four. Like, I really liked what Bleecker Street was was distributing, but I mm-hmm. think A twenty four is like surpassed them. Yeah, no, I, I like this year specifically. They're like, wow, I don't know if they just hired Bleecker Street's people or something. <laughs> they but, might have, but uh, yeah, they're really good at what they do. Uh, this comes with a commentary track with uh, the director writer talking about every single thing to do with this whole thing, and supposedly a great commentary for this. Uh, there's a make ten minute making of, and then that's about it. But either way, totally awesome. If you haven't seen it yet, make a point of it. Do so, it. 
Uh, next up, here's another one I saw you did not see, and uh, I'm not sorry because you would not have enjoyed it. Lavengers? The Lavenger tapes. Oh, okay. This was actually got some good reviews that made me say yes to seeing it, and then I was like, oh, shit, I didn't look closely enough to see these reviews from websites I've never even heard of. Oh, cool. Uh, but... It is a found footage film. Oh, sweet. Uh, where these... An interesting premise that, if only that we're watching not just the film, but we're watching the people watching the film, mm-hmm. where it's these detectives, and you don't know who. They're like, we've got the one survivor of the kids, so you don't know who that is, mm-hmm. who survives. And uh, and then they just have all these videotapes here. They said they filmed the whole thing, and so they'll go from there to them watching it, and then they come back and say, what the fuck was that? You know, okay. Does it come back to them eating popcorn watching it? Kind Kinda, yeah. Oh, sweet. Yeah. I don't know if it was popcorn or something. Chips, pop. Twinkies, something. Uh, and so this, the, the idea is this one guy and this two girls in a, the most improbable scenario in the whole thing, this really dorky guy, convinces like two of the hotter women at school to go with him to like his parents' cabin out in the middle of nowhere oh, for man, a weekend. Man, the drive a cabin. Yeah. Uh, despite the fact that like... There's nothing going on between him and either one of them, <laughs> although he would like there to be. I mean, anyone would. Uh, so for no apparent good reason, they decide to go walking in the woods in the middle of the night and uh, also mentioned at some point, oh, yeah, and apparently this is a Native American burial ground or some shit. I don't oh, know. Oh, sweet. Which, by the way, has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> but it was it was also an insane asylum forest, too. But, but this, like, it's like, okay, so there's crazy people in the woods, and then there's also a period to be some sort of sex cult or something. I'm not sure. Like abuse cult. But none of this is ever... It's all just insinuated. You're just Uh, like, okay, "Okay." so it's either the spirits of the restless dead or it's crazy backwoods rednecks Mm -hmm. and murderous Mm -hmm. rednecks Mm -hmm. or it's a Christian sex cult determined to protect their their, uh, their sexy sex cultiness uh, or uh, something else entirely. And by the end of the movie, I was just like... what the fuck? Was anything in there supposed to actually be scary? Because I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> I just... I mean, I know I'm hard on found footage. Sometimes There's quite a few I've been big defender of, but this is one of those I'm just like, it doesn't really matter that it's found footage. That's not what makes it bad. It's just a bad script. It doesn't make any sense. And I don't like it. I say skip it. Next up is anesthesia, which may indeed make you feel a little anesthetized. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get to watch this one. You didn't one. get to watch no. this one? Okay. Uh, the idea is Sam Watterson plays the nicest guy in the world. Really? Yeah. He's just this sweet professor who everybody loves, and he uh, gets violently mugged, perhaps killed, right at the beginning of the film. And then the rest of the film goes back to sort of a lead-up to all these people and how all their stories intersect okay. that end up sort of making that moment a crisis in their lives when oh, this happens. Shit. And, you know, it's directed by Tim Blake Nelson, who's had, who's as a director, had decidedly mixed results as a director. Uh, this is not one of his stronger efforts. He's in this as well. But you got, like, Kristen Stewart, Glenn Close, Gretchen Maul... Uh, uh, I feel like I'm missing someone. Uh, story, uh, Corey Stoll. And it's, if you know, if you like those, a bunch of people whose stories come together. Oh, so it's a, like it's like Valentine's Day. No, it's much better than Valentine's Day. Oh, like, that's uh, so weird how you framed that. Yeah, well, like, Valentine's Day is that, if it was romantic comedy. This is one of those, like, life What's it all about, anyway? One of those. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. You know? It's about not getting mugged. <laughs> it's about trying to avoid getting mugged. Yeah, he's like, it, there are some interesting twists in this, but not enough overall for me to say, like, oh, this is like a magnolia or something mm-hmm. that stands mm-hmm. above 
for this sort of film, you know? No like, frog raining? No frog raining. Ugh. Really? You didn't like the frog raining? No, I'm saying, like, if it doesn't have it, then just, like, forget keep it. going. There's, yeah. I, I just, this is a, of this, I, I don't even know what to call this. It is a genre. I just don't know what to call it. Uh, of this type of film, this is not one of the stronger ones. There's some certainly strong performances, and there's some good stuff towards the very end. But overall, like I said, this is one that's going to kind of put you to sleep. Uh, pretty much the same thing for everything will be fine in terms of pretty much put you to sleep. I was interested in this because Vim Vendors directed it, and it's by uh, who's made one of my uh, favorite uh, movies ever, Wings of Desire. Just love that movie. What was that one? Uh, it's about angels who like watch over people, and then one of them falls in love with a human and decides to become human himself. So he Girl, can be with gross. her. It's really good, though. Pervert, German, arty. It's got Nick Cave in it. Okay. <laughs> uh, this one does not have Nick Cave in it. It has James Franco playing uh, Tomas, who is a writer. He's working on his second, his sophomore effort, and uh, he is driving in the snow, and by literally no fault of his own. I mean, he's not on the phone or checking anything. Yeah. Like, this kid sleds right in front of his car, and bam, kills the kid. He doesn't think he did it first, because it comes out, and the kid's, like, out there. He's like, oh, thank God, you're fine. <laughs> and then they're like, where's your brother? Oh, shit. Oh, boy. Yeah, that one didn't make it. Uh, <laughs> and then, like, you know, he goes as the mom, Charlotte Gainsborough, is like, ah, freaking out. You know, Jesus Christ, you already got, you have another kid. Right? Yeah, that's why you have the buddy system. But the rest of this is just, like, overwhelming guilt, the movie. Man, it wasn't your fault. Actually, I have a friend who who had a similar situation in real life. Oh, seriously? Yeah, uh, this, this uh, crazy old lady who was off of her meds. Uh, he was he was going like twenty five down to thirty, and like in between cards, she just darted out right in front of him, and and like so, boom, he like hit her and killed her. Yeah, I mean that would it is something that would stick with you. It's just I'm not sure it makes great movie material. No, no, <laughs> not at all. I, I mean, did you get to watch this one? No. Okay, well, like I said, didn't miss that much. It's just a lot of like hand wringing and mm-hmm. like, oh, my life is ruined, and I'm ruining everything else in my life because I can't get like get past this thing. Mm-hmm. And then, but it's like over a whole big period of time, and it kind of like like over a decade, and it's kind of how the other child ends up coming back into his life and trying to get to know him in a weird sort of like. Like, he doesn't have any sort of father role model in his life, <laughs> so he's going to befriend the guy who killed his brother. Well, it's not like he killed the dude's father, too. You don't have to accept yeah, that. No, his father is never even... I don't think his father's ever even mentioned. I think he's out of the scene when, when we meet this family. <laughs> uh, but, he just dropped him off before Franco hit him. Yeah, it's just... I don't know. I mean, like, I see... I guess you're like, well, I guess you're at least trying to do something different. It's just, my God, is this thing fucking way too long? 118 minutes for the lack of stuff that actually happens what in if it. that means that Seth Rogen is actually, like, grounding for him? What do you mean? <laughs> like, if, if Rogen had been in this, maybe it would have been, like, a, a tight 90. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right, actually. I think James uh, Franco works better when Seth Rogen is there, and I think that's true in reverse as well. <laughs> uh, next up is The Family Fang. Now, this one I thought was kind of cute. Uh, this is the second film directed by Jason Bateman, uh, whose first film, uh, Bad Words, was downright hysterical. I didn't see Bad Words. Super funny film. Really liked it. This is not a super funny film, but it's cute. Well, yeah. It's it's based on a novel the same name that apparently did quite well. And it has Nicole Kidman 
and Jason Bateman as brother and sister, the Fang brother and sister. Of in, course. In Ian Baxter. And their and their elder parents, uh, Christopher Walken and Marianne Plunkett, who are they're like con artists, but not in the way that that term con artist is usually meant, where artist is the stronger part of the word, <laughs> where they're like pulling perception cons on the public for the point of art. Yeah, that's kind of that's actually a lot what uh, my journalism mentor did. Like he he had uh, all these rules about lying and how something is not lying if mm-hmm. if it met certain criteria. But it was it, he was an old hippie, so it was really just to mind fuck people. Mm-hmm. Like it, it it had you know it was never for gain, but it was always just like I'm showing you how absurd the world is right yeah i'm aware of that kind of art i generally find it a little irritating I think. oh no it's very irritating. yeah <laughs> and sure enough there these characters are just like oh my god and they were making their kids be part of this art like and some pretty horrific shit early on when they're very young as we see flashbacks to and films of now when the film starts you're like okay they're all grown up their lives are kind of like i mean like they're kind of famous because of all this, because the world knows about their parents and everything. All that character they got built. <laughs> um, and, like, uh, uh, Nicole Kidman has gone on to a sort of slowly sagging career as an actress. You know, like, never really got that hey, successful. Hey, 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 she was, she was in this movie as a favor. Be nice. <laughs> no, not Nicole Kidman herself. Oh. Her character. Although that's probably true. Well. <laughs> uh, Jason Bateman has become a writer, but his, he just can't. He had that one big book, and then his second one was a total flop. You know, and everyone's like, so do we care what you're going to do next? Yeah. And their lives get complicated when, as if they aren't already, when they go to visit their parents, and their parents drive off to go do an art piece, and then... Are they're, basically their car is found with blood all inside of it, Uh-oh. which is to, found to be their blood in mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. a rest stop that has like that, you know, at a stretch of road that similar crimes have been taking place where people have been abducting and murdering people. So the police are like, look, I know what your parents did, but everything here says that they really did get killed. Mm-hmm. And Bateman's like, OK, let's. You know, I don't know what this is terrible, but I guess we're going to have to believe that. Nicole Kidman's like, fuck that. Those <laughs> sons of bitches. They, how dare they think this is okay. Dad. And that's kind of the crux of this whole thing is like deciding for yourself for most of it up until the end when you do in fact find out one way or the other. Uh, like, would anybody really do this to their own kids? Like, yes. And, and I guess that like, there's a lot of things in here that are trying to say things ethically mm-hmm. that I just didn't agree with. I'm like, nah, I'm not <laughs> sure I see. I, I see where you're going. I think you're just totally off base. Or, or like, eh, it's a little too much hyperbole, guys. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know. I mean, I wanted to like this more than I actually did. Eh, I didn't, I didn't feel the need to. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't care for it much? No, nah, not really. Yeah. It's, it's forgettable, but you know, much like, Jason Bateman's character's second book, his second film is kind of a slump. Oh, shucks, guy. Yeah. Let's get in the third. Remember, you were on Valerie. You can do this. <laughs> was he on Valerie? Yeah, it was the Hogan family originally. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Or no, wait. I think it was Valerie first, then it was the Hogan family. he was family. on Silver Spoons, mm-hmm. and then he had a Shizone show, 
which I always remember the title of, and now I'm blanking. Mm. I remember Martin and I used to always go, I loved that show for the one season it was on the air. <laughs> uh, anyway, next up is one you did not see. No. And honestly, I was kind of disappointed when I was hearing about it because it was not, this is called A War. It was nominated for Best Foreign Film. I'd read a lot of good reviews. I was like, man, this is going to be one of the ones that Joe's going to be like, damn it, I kind of wanted to see that. Uh, boy, this movie pissed me off in terms of like just I think you've got to be pretentious as fuck to like this movie because it is just one giant fucking hole like and <laughs> like like plot hole oh, like, okay it makes no sense the whole premise makes no sense well lay it on big daddy what's oh, the premise right, so this is a Danish film it's basically this guy and his men is a commander of this group of men who's who's out there and they're like you know, doing their thing, and he's got back home a wife and kids. So he tries to call her once in a while. And the whole first half of this film, though, is in Afghanistan, largely. And uh, there's this family that keeps coming into their their town, saying, "You got to help us." The Taliban keep threatening us and everything, and they're like, "We can't take you in. We're just our rules just won't let us do mm-hmm. that, but we'll protect you." Uh, sure enough, they go out there and they've all been horribly murdered God in their home. And when it. they're there, there's an attack on them while they're there. Mm -hmm. I mean, like a crazy attack that they're like, fuck. And one guy gets hit in the neck and they're like trying to get air support. They're like, we can't fly in anybody to get them. It's like, well then fucking do an attack on this compound over here. Yeah. Well, do you have like, can, can you confirm there's enemy combatants in there? And first off, you're like, Dude, the, the guys are literally watching. Like, this boy's like, there's a rocket coming in. And they all duck. And you're like, if you could see a rocket coming in, <laughs> then you know where the attack is coming hey, from. Hey, could have been a friendly rocket. Yeah, I know, right? Anyway, so the upshot of this is he goes, fuck it. I don't really care that we don't have confirmation. Yes. Tell them that, yes, that that's where the attack's coming from so they can bomb it and we can get this guy out of here. Mm-hmm. So that all happens. Then flash to later where they're like, hey, uh, we have evidence that they're uh, now that suggests – that you did not have confirmation and that like, and like 12 children were killed in that compound or something, which mind you is no charges can be brought up against the guy. If enemy combatants were firing from said building, Mm -hmm. right? So, the whole second half of this film, a really annoying trial about this topic. Oh, boy. <laughs> where, where you're like, okay, first off, there's no way they didn't see the attacks coming from this building. It's just totally implausible that that could be the case, considering what we saw actually happen. B, the attacks ceased as soon as they bombed the building, That's and we weird. watched it. And C... How would they not have found bodies with guns on them in said building? Like, right? You're like, okay, so some innocent people died in there, and that sucks. No question, but it's it's a thing type of thing that happens during war, and that's on the bad guys shooting missiles from yeah. that building. You know, like, uh, none of this makes any sense. So I'm just sitting there pissed off, like, fuck this movie, man. Well, they they could have used Sam Waterston as their uh, defense attorney. They should have. He would have gotten him off like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but this is, you know, it's trying to make a point about, like, the the uncertainty in wartime of ethics and stuff like that. I mean, like, the, the and sure, if that had, if they had created a situation that made any sense, it might mm-hmm. have had something good to say. But it doesn't make any sense. It's just such a obvious screenwriter 101 block like giant black hole over plot hole <laughs> that was just killing me i was like fuck this movie for not even being so far up its own ass about we have something important to say not even taking the time to figure out you probably have to set it up so that people believe what's happening here in, at, in the first place well i'm just glad we don't have another morally ambiguous uh, uh conditions of war movie this week <sighs> uh well <laughs> That being said, 
Our next movie is Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. What? Actually, I really enjoyed. No, this one was great. I, I like. It was funny. It, uh, it I was surprised laugh. that they didn't do any press for this. They didn't show it to any press. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah, there was barely any marketing, and I think it's like the studios didn't know what to do with it. No, because because it's it's not. Uh, pee your pants funny yeah it's not a typical tina fey film it's no. not a fan that people who people who've seen previous tina fey films would go and say that they would see it and be like i don't know what to make of what i just saw it's not a drama it is a comedy with dramatic aspects to maybe it. it's because when she danced she didn't do her tina fey dance <laughs> she should have done that should have been uh, amy schumer there with her uh, not amy schumer what's her amy uh, uh polar. polar yeah yeah uh anyway she is a journalist uh Excuse me, damn soda. Uh, I mean beer. Beer. <laughs> uh, who agrees to take a short assignment as a war correspondent in Afghanistan during Operation Enduring Freedom. Doesn't meet any Denmark, Den- uh, Danish guys out there that I'm aware of. <laughs> <laughs> she did. I wish she'd punched him in the face. Uh, so she thinks, like, I'm just going to be here for a short while. But she kind of gets all into the culture of it and, mm-hmm. the, like, the adrenaline gets, of it. She gets jacked off of it. She does, uh, which happens to a lot of people. They get they, super into the adrenaline rush of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and she befriends, uh, like, Margot Robbie, who's out there as another journalist. Uh, Martin Freeman, who's a very scammy uh, yeah. freelance photo yeah. journalist. Yeah. But yet you end up liking a lot by the end of the film. <laughs> um, and then a bunch of other interesting characters. Billy Bob Thornton plays an American Marines commander. Dude, what's going on with him? What do you mean? He looked so, like, oh, so brave. You know what I'm saying? Like, he looked so brave? <laughs> yeah, like like he had the cancers or something. Because he was just, oh, like, super... No, I'm not saying he did. He just oh. looked like it because he was so skinny. Uh, he's getting old. Yeah, no. But I think he's like almost 70 now, He should now, eat some he? cheeseburgers or something. Let's, let's see. How, how old is he here? No, he's 60. Okay, I was... But still. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did look like he could use a cheeseburger. Um... Yeah, I mean, like, this is one of those films where I feel like it's not even trying to really say any given thing. No, and that's part of what I liked about it's it. It's just a slice of life of mm-hmm. what it's like, what it was like to be a journalist over there at this point, especially to be a, a female journalist in a land where women are decidedly not treated fairly. You know, oh, oh uh, journalism? Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, <laughs> I mean, like, our women all together, you know? I mean, like, there's interesting sort of weird... Um, relationship she has with Alfred Molina who plays a uh, a sheik over there who is alter- alternating jobs along the way but always in a position of power who is totally just every time they get together for an official meeting is trying to find his way to like hit on her. Dude, he just wants a good friend. No. <laughs> He's like, hey, while you're here, check out the bed I just had installed in my office. <laughs> so, like, what the hell? I mean, like a moment of triumph where she goes off on him and then blackmails him. That's yeah. amazing. But uh, I, I had a lot of fun with this. Yeah, no, it was good fun. It was cute. And, and it's apparently based very closely on the on the actual true book, The, the Taliban Shuffle. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> uh, suppose, supposedly most of this actually happened as documented. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Yeah, I actually recommend this. I think it's for people who have been hoping to see Tina Fey do something a little more serious, but not too serious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and see her do something that she didn't write. Uh, yeah, I guess she did not. This is written by Robert Carlock, who is one of the writers for 30 Rock and Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. 
Oh, okay. Well, never mind. Yeah, close, pretty close. <laughs> there, right? Hey, man, you, you have a good relationship with someone you, that works well for you. You keep up that relationship. Yes. Although nothing about this felt Thirty Rocker condition no, no, at all. No. This mm. felt like real life. Yep. Not like the weird imaginary universes those shows <laughs> exist in. Uh, next up is Eye in the Sky, another war film. Oh, gee. <laughs> it's a war film from the viewpoint of people who are sitting inside of a safe computer room somewhere yeah. behind laptops. It's drone to drone drone drones. <laughs> I actually kind of like this, though. I didn't. I didn't think I would at all, but in it, I wasn't liking it at first, but by the end, I really did. And I think it's partially, like, I don't know, I, I got... I feel like I finally started to wrap my head around a lot of the questions about drone warfare on both mm-hmm. sides of it. Like, this does not strongly say anything one way or no. the other. It just goes, see, it's kind of a fucked situation either way. You know, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. And I'm like, yeah, okay. It makes a strong argument both for and against drone warfare. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, when you don't have boots on the ground, you, it's a completely different political landscape you have to navigate. Yeah, and you're not putting as many lives in danger that way, you know? You're mm-hmm. like, I, but there's also, yeah, without boots on the ground, it's that's mu- that much harder to make tactical decisions. Yep. You know, even with all these crazy sci-fi bugs they've got flying around. <laughs> that, that was so weird. <laughs> was Appar- like- apparently, they. I, I read a thing that said... That technology is not in use yet, mm-hmm. but it's actually already in development. Like, so that's not based on just whatever. That's based on a real thing they're working on right now. Well, uh, I saw some DARPA footage like 15 years ago of of, uh, of man trackers mm-hmm. that was just like, oh, I really hope they don't perfect this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some in terms of technology. There's some truly scary shit in here. Uh, Helen Mirren plays the head colonel. Aaron Paul is the drone the, the head drone pilot. You've got Alan Rickman is a lieutenant general. Uh, Barkhead Abdi, who is the guy who you probably know is the, the he is not main the bad guy now. from Captain Phillips. <laughs> <laughs> well, he wasn't a captain in there either. He was just like a terrorist. Uh, Jeremy Northam's in this. Um, I, I guess, like, even though at first you're like, so this is just going to be a bunch of people talking on the phone to each other about whether we do a drone strike or not. But I actually got really into the tension as it went along because it was so... Where, like, they knew that all the people, like, these major terrorists were all gathered together and they knew they were putting on fucking bombs to go out and, like, kill people in the street. And they're going, well, even if if we were to launch right now with a fucking market outside, less people are going to die here than would die if we let them go Mm -hmm. at this point. You know, like, and not just in a general in the future sense, but in a very specific (laughs) near future sense. But then there's like, there's like a little girl selling bread right outside of the thing. So there's this whole thing where they're like trying various strategies to make the little girl go away. (laughs) Well, yeah. Like, like when she first came on screen, I was like, Oh God, like she's super cute. So she's going to be in this. Oh shit. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like I, I didn't realize the degree to which that was true. But I honestly found myself very tense at the thing as they're going like, "Fuck, nothing's working. Buy her bread, you fun sons of bitches, <laughs> so she can go home. We can bomb the shit out of this place." Uh, and I actually, you know, I felt like I totally understood the point of view of the people in charge of the drone strike in that situation more than I ever would have without having watched this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, how complex of a decision that things like that are. It's like, okay, I guess that's why I liked it overall. Okay. All right. Not a lot happens in it, admittedly, Mm-mm. but it was one of those that I thought the, the, the moral discussion it was having was a very apt and current one. And was yet, an, yet another movie where Aaron Paul doesn't say, bitch. Yeah, what's up with that? I don't know. 
Uh, next up is uh, I, I didn't even watch these. I haven't oh watched them since boy. they came out. But they just put out a set for cheap of DVD of the first two seasons of Quantum Leap, mm-hmm. which was, come on, let's face it, a lot of fun. No, it was. Uh, young Joe really liked watching it. Yeah. Old Joe, kind of, kind of, uh, it's painful to watch when it's on Cozy. Uh, on on cozy, yeah. So you know, with digital channels now over the air, you've got like a two dock, a three dock, four dock, whatever. NBC in Austin has uh, it carries cozy as that, and so it shows like eighteen Quantum Leap and stuff like that. And Quantum Leap was in heavy rotation for a while. It's like, oh man, I loved this so much as a kid, but it's so painful right now. <laughs> Yeah, I've tried to get back and watch the A-Team. That was not so great. No. Uh, I keep wanting to give Remington Steel another try. Oh. That was a show I loved when I was younger. I'm still like, I really want to say that I'd like it again. <laughs> I did rewatch Moonlighting not that long ago, and I was like, you know what? This was a solid show. It holds up. Surprisingly, Night Court was also solid. Yeah, yeah. So you watching that at your house the other day. I was like, seriously, Joe? Night Court? The first few seasons of Night Court were actually pretty awesome. Before they changed their their uh, the, the, the uh, lawyer who he's in love with. Yeah, yeah. Before uh, was before pre Marky Post. Yeah, pre Marky. Who was the who was the other one? Uh, was yeah, a, that's the that's, that's the sad thing because I remember liking her much better, but I can't remember her name. Yeah, remember yeah. Marky Post. No, but, that's that's kind of the problem. Yeah, but that's where we got our bull from. That is, yeah. and and John uh, Larroquette. Anyway, Quantum Leap. <laughs> yeah, John Larroquette, who won the Emmy like every year for as long as that show was. As on. he should have, because he was amazing. <laughs> yeah, he was really good in there. But uh, Quantum Leap. Yeah, with a uh, uh, Sam Beckett played by Scott Bakula, who was a scientist who got stuck floating through time in a sort of I take over the bodies of various people with the help of uh, uh, Dean Stockwell who appears to him as like a hologram. I've always been real iffy on the, the, the whole whether it's his essence or it's his body and then he's just casting the image of who he's with because the clothes always fit him even when he's like a little girl and he's got the strength of, of Sam Beckett all the time. Yeah, he always sees himself as Sam Beckett in the mirror. Yeah. But I always thought that was more of like a, just a device. Right, but but like when he's played, a, uh, or when he leapt into a pregnant woman, he mm-hmm. got all hormonal and goo, 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 goo. Yeah. So like, I, I just don't know what's going on here, fellas. Yeah, the science was not tight, perhaps. <laughs> well, I mean, he did wear a Fermi suit. He became suit. Elvis. Twice, I think, didn't he? I think so. And then, like, there's at least two episodes about John F. Kennedy's assassination in there, too. Uh, <laughs> but, but unfortunately, the show came to, like, one of the worst endings ever. Yeah. Like, they were so uncommitted, they spelled Sam Beckett's name wrong in the end titles when they're going, this is what happened next. They spelled his <laughs> name wrong. You're like, you guys really didn't put any thought into this. Well, you? truthfully, what happened was he leaped into the future and he became Captain Archer. Yeah, yeah maybe so. I like to believe that that's true. But certainly the show started off strong and was a lot of fun. And the idea of getting these for super cheap, mm-hmm. for two full seasons, which are like 40-some episodes, that's pretty good. That's a lot of episodes. That's a lot of episodes. That's a lot of time spent leaping quantity mm-hmm. with, mm-hmm. you know, Captain Archer. Yes. Uh, next up is Stephen Chow's latest film. What? The Mermaid. What? This came really late. Otherwise, I knew you would have been excited to watch it. I would have been. Yeah, like, I didn't get I this until just a few days ago. Well, you can borrow it, yeah. Uh, now, I'm a big fan of Stephen Chow. Yes. Uh, who did two of my favorite Hong Kong movies of all time, mm-hmm. Shaolin Soccer mm-hmm. and Kung Fu Hustle. Mm-hmm. Both so great. Yes. And he's also uh, got a cookery. Mm-hmm. Super amazing. Mm-hmm. From, from Beijing with love. Pretty damn great. Uh, uh, whatever that alien E.T. knockoff he did, not so great. No. <laughs> no, but I mean, that's uh, Kung Fu Hustle is why I have the Axe Gang tattoo. Do you have an Axe Gang tattoo? No, but wouldn't that be cool if it, it did? It would be cool. Yeah, I'd be like, right there, I'd be like, damn! <laughs> um, this was 
the most successful film in the history of Chinese film. Oh, wow. The highest grossing Chinese film of all time. Also the biggest opening day, the biggest single day gross. I mean, they love the fuck out of this movie. Apparently so. Uh, it is a very Chinese movie. Okay. Which is to say, you see why they didn't try to do a distribution deal in America theatrically. Because mm. you're like, yeah, audiences here just wouldn't have gotten it. Generally. Yeah. Is, is it like a high fantasy sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, it's that same sort of goofy humor that Stephen Chow almost always does in his films, mm. um, which, you know, you either love it or you just, like, I don't get it. <laughs> I, 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 like, and I go back and forth depending on the film. I mean, this is certainly not one of his best films for my book, but it's still pretty enjoyable mm. overall, if mm-hmm. you like Stephen Chow movies, mm-hmm. uh, where you've got uh, Deng Chow plays this total playboy business tycoon guy who's just purchased this wildlife reserve, uh, and uh, he's doing scummy things with like the sonar attack to get rid of all the sea life in the area. Okay. Well, it turns out that there's a whole crew of mermaids and mermen, even though they call themselves mermaids too. Merfolk. You know, I guess after decades of postmen, firemen, policemen. That's right. It's time for the mermaids. It seems fair to turn it. Yeah. Uh, but they're all like, okay, well, this shit's got to stop. And so they get their most um, <laughs> their most beautiful mermaid, played by Lin Yun, who really is gorgeous, to uh, impersonate a human and try and seduce him so they can get him alone and assassinate him. Which would, would have solved nothing, to be fair. But mermaids <laughs> don't really have a great grasp over how business works. Yeah, industrial dynamic. And, of course... Like, she's not very good at this. I mean, they have a whole thing where, like, she's they just have her wearing, like, super tight, like, Jessica Rabbit dresses mm. so that, down the legs so that it, she can kind of shove shoes over the ends of her fins and just kind of <laughs> shuffle along. Uh, but then, much to her surprise and their surprise, and even to the business I can surprise, he actually falls deeply in love with her and vice versa. Mm. And so ends up wacky voyage of like, okay, I'm going to help serve, save the world and the mermaids and yada yada. You know, no. it's eco-conscious comedy. No. If you will. And like I said, it's cute. It's goofy. It's not going to be for everyone. Um, there's some weird, like there are always are with Chinese film comedies where you'll be like, uh, oh my god, that's horrific. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> Uh, they do, they're just like one of the things they do is they chop her tail fins like they just took an axe and go uh, to split them more mm-hmm. so that she can like like put shoes on them easier. You're like that's terrible. <laughs> I see where like the, one of the guys is like a mare octopus kind of guy. It's like he keeps kind of following them and he's pretending to be a sushi chef. And they're like, oh, all that octopus, I'll use that. And he's like, what? No, uh, we're not. And like the other chef's like, oh, I got it, and start chopping his arms up <laughs> while like he's right there, like grinding them in a grinder. And he's like, oh, ah. yeah, it's gonna hurt. Like, Jesus Christ, people, <laughs> this is so horrible. Uh, they don't mess around in China. Yeah, they really don't. Uh, but yeah, overall, I mean, it's it's cute. It's like it's a, one of the Stephen Chow's. I say, yeah, totally worth catching. Okay, the, cool. if you like his stuff, and that's the mermaid. And that brings us to our final movie of the day, which no. we also call our giveaway. Take it. You want it? Chronicles of the Ghostly Tribe. 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 Called Quest. Tribe. No. Oh. No, that'd be cool to see the Chronicles of Ghostly Tribe Called Quest. Yeah, it would. Uh, this is another Chinese film, a big old action-adventure Indiana Jones, but with like lots of ghosts and demons and shit. Mm-hmm. Ghost <laughs> uh, demons. It's actually the second adaptation this year 
of uh, a best hugely successful novel called Ghost Blows Out the Light. Uh, uh, now I'm totally blanking on what the other film was that was an adaptation of it. We actually reviewed it on the site, but it was a Richard show. Oh, okay. Where, where, where he did it. It, was, it came out the same year. This apparently is the bigger budget and better received of the two hmm. versions. Um, and I, I will say that this is like... I have no fucking idea ultimately what was happening in this movie. By the end, if you ask me, look, go like go point by point. <laughs> what exactly was the progression of things that got us to the end? I'd be like, oh, dude, don't even. I have no fucking clue. <laughs> but it sure is colorful and fun and violent and and big. You well, know, that sounds cool. Group of people find out accidentally release demons into the world mm-hmm. and like giant like sort of like they look like kind of like. Like, like giant elephant-sized werewolves. They kind of look like, which okay. is kind of cool. Yeah, uh, who can like jump obscenely far and shit. But then there's all sorts of other stuff. There's like fireflies that if they touch you, you just burn to pieces almost immediately down to a skeleton. There's all sorts of weird shit like that. Lots of it's just so Chinese it doesn't give a fuck with a lot of the culture <laughs> stuff, which is always fun, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's their attempt to make like a very Indiana Jonesy type film, and and on if you like this type of Chinese adventure film, like almost wuxia, but not quite. Because mm-hmm. it's not a period piece, really. I mean, it's like eighties, so oh, that cool. counts. <laughs> and there's no real good reason for it's it to be in period. the 80s. Yeah, it's a period. Um, I think the only reason it's in the eighties because there's an issue or two that would have been solved if somebody had had a cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's actually a lot of fun to be had here. Um, it's definitely one of those get drunk and watch with your friends films. Oh, cool. Um, I had more fun with it than I did, and I'm keeping my copy of it. So, Chronicles of the Ghostly Tribe, and if you want to win this, you got to get on your, your Twitter, your, your, the tweeting machine, and you got to uh, go at one of us net, which is our Twitter, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and you got to mm-hmm. hashtag Ghostly Tribe. Okay. And then, what do you got to do, Joe? Uh, have we already done a ridiculous Kung Fu stance name? I don't think we have. I think I think that's what it should be then. The most ridiculous name of a kung fu stance. Yeah, I dig that. All right, let's do it. You win Chronicles of the Ghostly Tribe on Blu-ray, and that's it. Okay, well done. We're done. We know digital noise the fuck out of that. Yeah, we did. Now y'all know. <laughs> now you know, and now you know. Uh, I'll be back in another. I don't know how long, but anymore. The next Richard and, and Marco will be back sooner than I'll be back, but mm-hmm. we'll all be back. I'll be back. Only in reruns, my friend. (laughs) 